This episode of POMCAST is sponsored by Millamia, the Scandinavian knitting design company. Millamia specialise in contemporary knitting patterns and naturally soft merino yarns and are proud to sponsor the POMPOM podcast. Look out for their new Aranweight yarn. Hello and welcome to POMCAST, brought to you by Pom Pom Quarterly. My name's Sophie and I'm joined as ever by the lovely Lydia Gluck. Hello. Hello. How are you, Lydia? I am. I'm very well, thank you, Sophie. How are you? I'm good. It's uh, it's getting autumn, autumnal outside. Very excited about new knits that we're doing. Mm-hmm. It's a nice time. Uh, although I'm currently moving house, which... Oh my word, it's stressful. <laughs> the stress and the moving. And the changing of the seasons and the changing yeah. of the life situations. It's very allegorical what's going on at the moment, yes. How are you? I'm also good. I um, went to Devon on the weekend. Mm. That was very... Well, it was lovely. It was very misty there. Oh, atmospheric. It was atmospheric, yes. Um, and I went swimming in the sea. Very good. Was it cold or temperate um, or just English? So bracing. Well, I mean, yes, English, therefore not warm, <laughs> but and bracing. But it was definitely much warmer than when I went swimming in June. It's warmed up over the summer. Oh, that's nice. The little temperature of the sea has gradually risen with the sun shining down on it. Exactly. There's a theory there. I don't it was know. nice. And uh, last night I went to see Joan Baez mm, live in concert. I do not know her. Tell me more. She- Sophie. <laughs> <laughs> She's a famous folk singer. She was quite a sort of political activist folk singer in the 60s with Bobby D. Big Bob. Big Bob. <laughs> um, As he's known to no one. <laughs> from now on, he's Big Bob. Um, like Big Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps I'll make an exciting, yeah, clock tower for him. Uh, where's he from? America. Yeah, but which bit of America? I know he's from America. Uh, I think you'll find. <laughs> <laughs> he's not one of the great Canadians. He's not a Leonard Cohen type. He's an mm. American type. Anyway, when they figure out where he's from, they'll build a tower there and it'll be called Big Bob. <laughs> it's like in when you go to the town where Nirvana f- are from, it says, welcome, come as you are. Does it? Mm-hmm. Does or it? It, there's definitely that phrase in there. They campaign to get the sign. Amazing. To say. Well, I'm we glad. Um, but yes, so Joan Baez was excellent. She was at the Royal Festival Hall, which made me feel fancy. It's a lovely building, yeah. It was beautiful. It's and on South Bank, yes? Yes. Mm. And there's like a cool, like, um, downstairs, there's a sort of area where you can just practice. If you're a dancer, there's like a free dance studio to practice in. Yeah, that they do like... The space there is amazing because you can actually... One of the few places, uh, I have this on good authority, that you can actually bring alcohol to and just sit and enjoy your own alcohol. It's like a big space with tables and chairs. Oh. They do food and drink there, which you can buy, but it's one of the few places that they like, yeah, welcome, yeah. Wow. Bring your own booze. I mean, it's, I've done gone that and done it with people and had a bottle of wine and we'd been quite respectable. So, you know, it's not like a... Well, I can't show up there with my Lambrini. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. My yeah. WKD Blue. It was In the context, it was like having a bottle of wine before going to see some classical music. So in the BYOB sense, it's uh, up there on the top, top <laughs> level of... <laughs> Grade A. Yeah. Bring your own booze. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, but so I had a fancy evening last night. It was good. Lovely. And I have remained in the same house... Yes, well... I haven't moved. So your stress levels are minimal yeah. uh, within the house. Stakes. Within the house, yes. Although I've had some changes of housemates. But anyway, that's anyway, another anyway, thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, so today, podcast-wise, we have a very exciting interview, do we not? Indeed. We are talking to the lovely ladies behind Tin Can Knits. We have Emily and Alexa, 
So we're talking to them from various parts of the globe. Yeah, it was an exciting POMcast first. We had a Skype interview. Um, so we had the computer set up. We were Skyping uh, from Canada and Scotland, where they are respectively. And yes. then beaming down to the London epicentre of where we were, the epicentre of podcasts. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so that's super duper great, obviously. Um, obviously, we'll be doing our regular tell and tell, some news. Uh, we've got a colour to yeah, talk about. Colour blue. Which I've been waiting for, so I'm excited about that. Sophie's finally going to enjoy a colour that we talk about. <laughs> I do enjoy all the colours, but this, ah, oh, it's going to be great. You're going to be there's going to be genuine excitement, people. Yeah. Um, and uh, top secret, top three. Mm. Why is it top secret? What? I don't know. Some people have got to listen. All right, you to got stuff. Yeah. You, you can't have it all now, guys. Just because you know you go on the internet wherever you want, and Amazon will bring you things next day. Doesn't mean that we're just going to deliver everything <laughs> next day delivery with Pomcast Prime. Doesn't exist. Why are you so angry? <laughs> no, I'm just trying to promote like um the waiting. slow the slow knitting, you know, slow craft, slow yeah. food, slow podcast. Yeah. So this is um, our first ever slow podcast. <laughs> so tell and tell, what are you up to at the moment? I, well, I finished my water lily. Exciting. Which I made in the bale. Which Just we... in time for the colder weather to begin. This exactly. lovely summer knit. <laughs> um, um, hey, knits are relevant every day. Exactly. There's yeah. no bad time for either knitting or knitted items. Anyway, we all know this. So my water lily is finished. Um, I made a slight modification, which mm-hmm. I'm very pleased with for my personal, you know, nurse yeah since it's for me um <laughs> what, what, I, which was i made the back the same as the front so that both have a sort of v-necky bit so that mm-hmm. the neck is wider because i um like i like a roomy neck <laughs> so that was my only modification i enjoyed knitting it immensely i have enjoyed wearing it immensely i have had compliments and even my mum who can't wear any kind of woolly things, really like the yarn. Mm-hmm. The this, you did this in the um, Kettle Yarn Co. Bale. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And she was like, ooh, I could wear this next to my skin. So that was a useful one to keep uh, in the brain for later. Yeah. For gift giving. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's one thing. How mm-hmm. about you? Well, um, within the move, I've been a little bit stressed, actually. You know, I might have cropped up with people who know me. They might have experienced <laughs> <laughs> my, uh, my nature in that way. So... I kind of had this urge just to do something really small and kind of quite homely. So I started crocheting a blanket, um, like doing lots of little squares because that was something really portable because when I was sort of moving in and out of all these places and just, you know, I didn't have a place to move straight away. So we've had a temporary location and stuff's been kind of all over the place. So yeah, I just wanted something really portable and I had this really nice idea that when I move into the new place, I can have this blanket and that'll be a nice kind of thing to look forward to. I mean, yes. I'm doing two squares because well. of the situation. <laughs> um, but that is, uh, yeah, it's actually a free pattern, uh, which I found on the RAV, which is a good one. Wow. Uh, it's called the Urban Granny Throw, which, you know, that's me. I'm an, You're an urban, <laughs> granny. urban Granny. Uh, it's by Margaret Wilson. Um, yeah, it's just like a nice kind of repeating, kind of like a daisy kind of pattern, which mm. kind of goes into a little square block. Delightful. Yeah. Are you mixing up the colours between the squares? Yeah, because within the, the pattern they have the sample, you can kind of do three colours, so it starts with one mm-hmm. centre and then you kind of go out with the different colours. And I just went for one, just because I think I might do lots of squares of lots of different colours. I'm using the 
fibre company's canopy. Wow, love that stuff. Which is really gorgeous. It's like a bit of alpaca, I think a tiny bit of silk, I seem to think. Is it bamboo? Yeah. Ba- bamboo, that's yeah. it, yeah. Um, which is beautiful to work with. And the colour palette just works so nicely together. Mm. They have a really kind of, I think the considered nature of how they all kind of have a nice tone together is quite kind of a almost like a silvery yeah kind of, i think my you can't like clash with their colors yeah can you? that's what i'm saying yeah I, mean, I guess that's what yeah it's a very well thought out palette yes so i thought mm. you would work well for a blanket so i just went for like a really amazing green they have and uh yeah just did a little bit of that lovely um i was also on a last podcast i was saying how i started a stephen west pattern verse twist yes which i finished and then was too, ti- too tiny for my big humongous head, <laughs> which was quite depressing. Um, and I spent a lot of time putting on this tiny hat saying to people, does it look too tiny? Even though I knew in my half hearts it was a hat that was too tiny. But you are going to be living in Shoreditch, Sophie. Well... Where um... people wear tiny hats. <laughs> it's because my hair is so thick. That's why I'm thinking. I always like saying my hair's so thick. It's like a hat on my head already. Whereas I have a tiny head <laughs> and thin hair. It would have fit. Which makes me sound really weird and gross, <laughs> but it's true. Like a wisp of a person. Yeah, I have a pea head. Um, so that was a little... And then I was like, no, I'm just going to block this. I'm just going to block it so much. And then I had this weird shape like on my bedroom floor, trying to like stretch it all out. Mm. And then I just put it on. It just looked really sad and stupid. So I was like, I'm going to have to rip this back. And I, I guess, did. Yeah. And it's a lesson for us all. Sometimes you just have to say, no, this isn't working. Well, back. I had to do that with my water lily because I go. faffed up the, just read the wrong chart. There's different charts different from a different sizes. pattern in a different just, yeah. <laughs> I like made the whole, you know, lacy bit on one of the sides and then was like, hmm, no, this is wrong. And I had to do it again. <laughs> my brother was watching me like rip it back. He was just like, how can you do that? I was like, well, Sam, when you've reached a level of Zen that I have, you know, you just know that it's for the greater good. Yep. And Sophie too has reached that level yeah. of zen. <laughs> <laughs> After a long time of being like, maybe, maybe if I do this, it will look all right. No. Yeah, there's always that bit that you're always like, maybe I can fix it like this. <laughs> I mean, and there are, you know, limits to the magic of blocking. Yeah. Because blocking is a bit like fairy dust a lot of the time, but mm. even fairy dust has its limits. Well, it's also good for me to realise that the... The, I'm using the Malintosh DK didn't have a lot of kind of blockage afterwards ah. so I mean that's great now I have this hat it's not going to kind of swell to massive proportions mm. and you know yeah. engulf me <laughs> cool and I oh yeah so um, you know the yarn that we talked about last time that I bought from John Arben from mm. Unwind I have started making my Coronis which is the cover pattern lady girl from um, <laughs> the most recent pom pom <laughs> As opposed to ladyboy models that you use. <laughs> Lady girl. Um, yes, and I have a very exciting colour, purple, which I've never knit with before. It's new for you, yeah. It's pretty new. New for me, um, and therefore exciting. Adventure. Um, you know me. I'm always adventurous. <laughs> um, so I've started that, and I have already split for sleeves, mm-hmm. and it's looking really good. I'm really pleased good. with it. Yeah, excellent. Yes. Yeah. I can't wait to be settled in a proper place of moving and then it all the things yeah, yeah yeah and actually another thing that happened recently which is vaguely tell and tell related is i had made i have a very good friend who i knit a pair of fingerless gloves for oh, i don't know a few years ago now for her birthday and she's a very very intensely enthusiastic person 
Um, and so she was very intensely enthusiastic about these clubs. And then not that long ago, she was abroad and she had a bag stolen and the gloves were in it. And she was oh, super no. sad about it. And um, ever since then, she's been dropping. I mean, they're not even hints. She's basically just been telling me to make her a new pair. <laughs> she's just like, oh, Lydia, you know, if you made me a pair of mittens, <laughs> I would love them so much. I, you know, I didn't lose them. They were stolen. And I'm like, all right. And I'd actually made her a pair for her birthday, which is in April. And then just lost them in my room oh, no. somewhere. Oh. So she's making all these hints. And I was like, didn't want to say, oh, yeah, I made you some. But then I just lost them already for you. So you don't have to have them and love them and lose them. You know, I just thought don't have the pain, the pain of separation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just thought I'd just lose them right off the bat. So uh, anyway, I found them. A oh, few. Okay, good. Found them. They are, you know, I gave them a little wash. They're, you know, drying nice and flat mm-hmm. ready for her to appreciate. Um, news and reviews. Um, with actually, within this, we're doing a slightly different slant on the new review topic. Mm-hmm. Um, because I have my top tips on moving yarn. Yeah, so it's, you know, big news, of course, for everyone that Sophie has moved house. <laughs> I'm sure you're all dying to To a updated. slightly different location in London, which, as many people know, it's a big deal. People don't tend to move to different bits of London. Yeah, from north to south to north. It's a big... Well, in much in the way that I am a colour adventurer, Sophie <laughs> is a London adventurer. Packed up my little knapsack. I don't know. What's that called? Like a little... With a stick with, with the... a bindle, no? Like uh, Dick Whittington. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, yeah, my tips for moving with yarn. I think, yeah, you have your stash. I know um, some people think, oh, well, my stash is big. Or some people are like, oh, I have a respectable stash. Mm-hmm. I didn't think I knew... I thought I had a respectable stash. I had it in control. And then when I moved, I thought, oh, my God, what is, what if, what's happened? Why did I even start knitting? And I got a little <laughs> bit overwhelmed. Um, but, yeah, here's my top tip. Um... Yeah, first of all, go through it, like, really honestly. And, yeah, if you feel like you're overwhelmed with it and stuff. Um, I gave a lot of it to charity, which nice. made me feel good. The mm-hmm. charity was good, so, you know, that's nice. Um, like, did you just take it to a charity shop? Or? No, no, no. There was, like, I sort of Googled some... You can definitely, uh, like, Google some stuff. That Mine was, like, a woman's refuge thing that they yeah. were doing, like, a, a place... It was called A Place to Heal, and oh, nice. uh, they were doing stuff with that. And there's also, like, Knit for Peace. They yeah. asked, like, things. But, yeah, like... Um, Charity shops accept. There's also like um, places like Battersea Dog Home where mm-hmm. people knit blankets. So that's good. I think, yeah. Different bits like scraps, even if, you know, I think sometimes it's good to let go of things. It's quite cathartic, you know, it's cleansing. Yes. Uh, some things I bought when I'm like, mm, I love it, but, you know, it's not for me anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing is selling stuff on Ravelry. Ah. That's, yeah, definitely. Pocket money? Pocket money for more yarn? No. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's a good way. Mm-hmm. You know, you know it's going to get a good home, so you're not going to need to worry about it. That's true. Uh, my like last top tip is um, buy like you can get big like plastic sacks that you can then suck all the air out with a vacuum cleaner. Oh yeah. Changed my life. Yeah, and then that means I could put everything in, and then the air like is sucked out by this vacuum cleaner, and you can kind of what the best bit is just watching it contract. <laughs> And all the air coming out, so it kind of crinkles down and crinkles down, like a you know when you put crisp pack in heat. Yeah. <laughs> and then it meant that I could pick up my stash in one go in this like big bag. And then I thought, well, if I can carry it, that's an, a good amount of yarn yes. to have. Well, because then when you need to move again with you know just the stick and the handkerchief tied yeah. to it, you can just sort of poke the stick into the bag of yarn, <laughs> sort of pick it up, put it over your shoulder, and just move on. But you don't want to pierce it because the air would leave actually. So. Oh. <laughs> I'll figure something out. Scratch that. Stick with Sophie's tips, everyone. Yeah. Lydia's tips are bad. 
But then, yeah, so that, I think that is my new revolutionary thing. Maybe even for storing stuff, I'm going to keep some stuff in there. Some yeah. stuff I can have, which I know is going to be more accessible. But stuff, you know, like maybe some jumper projects, which I've got on hold for a little bit. Mm. They can live in here. It's great. That's excellent. Well, you know, if and when I move. Yeah. I'll know how to do it. Yeah, that's just sorry. My so boring. My life is filled with it. <laughs> No, it's good. It's useful mm. for the people, mm. for the world. Yeah. If um, anyone, ha- yeah, people should tell us our top, their top tips for storing storing yarn. Yeah, it's true because my yarn storage could leave, you know, leaves things to be desired. Okay. Namely, yeah. organization <laughs> and it's, aesthetic value. Well, here's the other thing. If anyone's as like precise in their like storage as me, because I did have it in a big like plastic crate, mm-hmm. but then once the yarn's out of that and in the deflatable thing, plastic crate, put stuff in for packing. There you go. So in other more sort of relevant and exciting actual news-based news, um, we have the photo shoot of Pom Pom uh, number 11 mm-hmm. has uh, been in process. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So this week we did our photo shoot. And those of you who follow us on Instagram uh, will have seen some sneakity peekities. So, you know, Pom Pom 11, it's all in the, you know, we're cooking it at the moment. We're stirring pans. <laughs> something's on the griddle, something's, nothing's burning, yeah, so it's oh, fine. Phew. <laughs> the oven's um, warming up. And... If you could sum issue 11 up in three words, it's like a little taster. What would, how would you explain it? In a pub. Oh, okay. Three... <laughs> <laughs> I do in and a not count, really. Well, I was... <laughs> I was not a sentence. Oh, man. I'm yeah. so bad at this well, game. Well, no, I, it, was, it was quite good. That was, quite, that was concise. That's where the photo shoot is. But I meant, yeah. like, the... Feeling, the ambiance, the mood okay, of yes. the issue. So the three words would be pub, mm-hmm. cosy, nice, and rich. Ah, not as in money. No, as in rich colours. Yeah, intensity. Yes, I get it. It's getting a feeling of warmth, coziness, mm-hmm. little quiet, cheeky half in the yeah. pub. Maybe it's raining. Cheeky half a Guinness. Yep, I do you like Guinness? Man, I love Guinness. So reviews-wise, we, of course, um, have been, well, very excited about the new uh, book from Tin Can Knits. Yes, we'll be talking to them more about that later, but we'll have a little bonus review. Yeah, a little Just talk about our fave, one, fave ones there. Mm. Yeah. Uh, what's your favourite pattern in this lovely collection? Oh, well, you know... I mean, you can't choose a favourite, but... Yeah. I can, well, I can, but I don't want the other ones to hear me. Okay. <laughs> Um, my current favourite is Grayling, which is a pair of mittens with lovely cabling on them. And they've made them in beautiful colour, of course. And I just, you know, I have a soft spot for mittens, first of all, because they're just very cute. Mittens are cute. I think we can agree on that. And yeah, they have um, just a very lovely, quite simple, but very effective kind of texture cable pattern. And they're in a lovely kind of sport weight yarn. And I'm pretty sure I've got some nice yarn that, you know, could be used mm. for those. So they're my favourite. Nice. Very nice. I really like the... Well, I've chosen the one that I'm not quite sure in the pronunciation. Um, it's a Cleocot? Cleocot. Cleocot, uh, which I'm reliably informed that it's a place uh, off Vancouver Island. Wow. Um, but that's got a lovely bit of Farrell, and I am a fan of Farrell. Mm-hmm. They have it as a cardi with, like, a really nice kind of uh, diamond and sort of vertical stripe band. And also as a hat, uh, being modelled by a really cute little baby, which, you know, the cuter the baby, the better the hat. I mean, that's, that's yeah, a given. That's true. Um, it's a correlation. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Strong correlation. <laughs> and there's also, of course, the wonderful Amalite cowl, which uh, was featured in 
pom-pom autumn 2013. Yep. Uh, you know, so that's also obviously a really beautiful pattern. Another good one to mention is the old growth cardigan, which is like a classic kind of simple cardi. Mm. They've got a nice off-centre... Uh, button band yes so and it comes symmetrical in, yeah yeah and comes in the kiddie size and the adult size which is obviously a kind of trademark of the tin can oh yes yeah pattern stuffs and um have you seen like you know because uh Melamia have released uh like an aaron weight version mm-hmm. of because they only did sport weight before i think that would be good for because it's an aaron weight isn't it sure off there's like nice little bit of lace on the the other side you have the one sort of shoulder where the uh, you know, the buttons come down from maybe your right shoulder, I think it is, and then on the other side where that big space is, you've got like a nice kind of lace detail, leaf, yeah. leaf lace. So, yeah. yeah, and especially for the kid, the kid pattern because, you know, obviously Millimere being our lovely sponsors, oh, yeah. they um, they do especially kind of child-friendly yarns. I mean, they also do lovely adult patterns, but, um, you know, it's always good for the kiddies. You want the things to be machine washable. Yeah. It comes in nice colours. And what else do I like? I'm actually... I'm a big fan of the socks they have in this collection. Granola. The granola socks. Mm. Mm. They, I mean, they're a good granola-y colour, aren't they? Yeah, kind of that coppery. Well, granola isn't coppery, but, you know, kind of, there's a... Like healthy breakfast cereal. Healthy colour. breakfast cereal brown. There we go. That's the yarn <laughs> that needs to be called that, isn't it? <laughs> so, obviously, based on um, how excited we are about this collection... Uh, we got in touch with Tin Can Knits and we are going to talk to them today. Yeah, let's do some now. On the podcast, we're chatting to Alexa and Emily, who are the duo behind the very lovely Tin Can Knits, who we are obviously very big fans of. Their long-distance design partnership has created several knitwear collections, including Pacific Knits and Nine Months of Knitting, which you're most likely familiar with, and if you're not, then you should go look at them. And they're just about to release their newest book, which is called Road Trip. So um, they are joining us today from, uh, well, varying parts of the globe. Um, So... Hi Alexa, where are you calling us from? Hi, I'm calling from Port Moody, which is a small part of uh, British Columbia in Canada. Oh, brilliant. Yes, so that's uh, that's the one side. And then, so Emily, where are you? I'm up in Edinburgh, in Scotland. <laughs> okay, so the first question is, how did this partnership happen? Because obviously you're living in very different parts of the world. Uh, how did you first both meet? in uh in vancouver and i basically every time emily and i have decided to write a book she moves further away from me because when we decided to write our first book she moved to vancouver island which is a ferry ride away and uh, when we decided to write our second book that was when she moved to edinburgh so we've we've always been working long distance do you feel that you're trying to make a challenge to you to feel this creative challenge isn't enough emily then you need to add more distance to this I think it was just at that point in my life where I was I was moving around and going on an adventure and I've I've landed up quite a long ways away from my business partner. Oh, it's nice that you've kept, you've managed to keep it going then. That's that's good. 
And um, how did you both start designing? Uh, we'll start with Emily. How did you start designing? Well, um, my training is in architecture. Um, so design was kind of something that I was trained in and interested in from the beginning. But I got obsessed with knitting during my master's degree, as many people do, as you need some some method of procrastination when you're writing a thesis. Um, and then it kind of seemed natural for me to publish designs uh, via Ravelry. And I just had some success with my initial shawl designs and kind of went from there. Excellent. And Alexa? Uh, I told my husband I wanted to own a yarn shop, and he said maybe we should go work in a yarn shop first. <laughs> so I started working at Urban Yarns, and they were very encouraging to start designing. So I think it just came from doing a lot of knitting, and it just seemed, yeah, it just seemed natural to start designing as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. It gets to that point where you're like, you see so many patterns, and you're like, well, I'm sure I could do this is just as well, and it's probably easy, I can try it. <laughs> and then there you are, here's, here's Tin Can Knits. <laughs> and I guess, I mean, also yarn shop, I mean, me and Sophie and Megan, we all met working in a yarn shop. So it's obviously quite the hotbed of um, <laughs> of business link-ups. It definitely is. I've seen that over here, up here in Edinburgh as well. Like many of the designers in this part of the country have worked at one of the knit shops. So... So yeah, they're definitely a hotbed um, for creative types, mm -hmm. and a lot of people kind of get connected in knit shops. I think. Yeah, definitely. And have you um, have you Alexa visited Emily in Scotland yet? I have twice now. Oh, brilliant! Uh, the first time we brought the whole family, which was there was four of us at the time, and uh, we stayed in Emily's flat, and then we had a good time. And I just went for Emily's wedding this this past March. Oh, brilliant. Congratulations. It's a bit overdue. And the but... It was more fun by myself, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, lovely. Well, I, I don't know if I've ever been to Edinburgh. I've been to Glasgow many, many times. Well, well Edinburgh is kind of the more um, pretty, geriatric, posh <laughs> version of Scotland. Um, Glasgow's grittier. It's more of a proper city. But I really like Edinburgh. It's really beautiful. It's what... Um, what led me to stay here. Yeah, and you've got the Fringe Festival as well, which... I've I do love to. the festival. It makes uh, it makes for a really exciting summer. Yeah, I bet. I'd like to do that one day, go up there. Well, you'll have a couch to stay on if you need oh, one. Oh, there we go. Brilliant. Oh, thanks! <laughs> <laughs> next year's podcast is coming live from the Fringe Festival. <laughs> we can, like, build in next some, like... Summer. Yeah, next summer. Yeah, yeah. Build in some, like, Fringe Knits. We'll do, like, a whole themed... Yeah. Like tassel podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we'll all just wear like really cool like hand-knitted cowboy jackets with fringe. <laughs> I don't know if that would be cool, but you probably pull it off. <laughs> yes, cool in the loosest sense of the term. <laughs> okay, so you guys mentioned you've been really busy with uh, your new book, which is Road Trip. Um, and was there a particular road trip or a favourite journey that's inspired this connection, uh, Alexa? Uh, I like to go on at least one road trip every year. Um, and I've been on road trips since I was one years old till this year. And I was it, it made me think about all the things that come from a road trip. Like the idea to write a knitting book came from being on a road trip. And uh, yeah, I just love hitting the open road and... It's it's so nice to see the country 
that mm. way. And I just find road trips very inspiring somehow. And what better way to, you know, if you're not the one driving, then what better way to take your knitting along? You know, you've got your knitting along with you. Oh, man, especially since having kids. Yeah. It's like you, you can't possibly have your hands on them, so you have <laughs> to be knitting on a road trip. It's fantastic. <laughs> and Emily, was there a particular trip that you had taken that was inspiring for this book? Um, not a particular trip for this book per se. It's kind of, for me, more about the idea of going on a road trip and kind of getting out to nature and getting away from your home and your day-to-day routine Mm -hmm. um, and seeing the beautiful places that you see. Um, Alexa was alluding to us making big plans on road trips, and we did essentially start tin can knits when we went on a road trip um, to Tofino on the west coast of Vancouver Island. And Alexa said, oh, well, we should write a book. (laughs) And that's what um, Nine Months of Diddy came out of, was Alexa thinking big, which she always does. (laughs) And instead of just doing a couple of patterns together, she said, no, we should should write a book. And uh, once we had created nine months of knitting, it essentially launched our business. And so that's where it all started. Amazing. Well, that's, yeah, that's a great story. And I'm glad you guys did make a book. It's worked out well for <laughs> <Yeah>. us. <laughs> that's, and I guess, I mean, for me, like road trips aren't really a thing that, um, they're very much associated with North America for me. And yeah, it's quite a romantic notion, definitely. And I'm learning to drive at the moment, so... I'm hoping to have, you know, road trips myself. In preparation, you can just buy the book and do some knitting. Yes. So. <laughs> but before my own road trip, I will live a road trip through knitting. <laughs> okay, we definitely feel like an outdoorsy feel with a lot of your knits. Do you think that's important in just the locations, or do you think your knitting is inspired by nature just generally? I think it's probably inspired by nature in, generally, in general, but I also... I think when I come up with a concept for a design, I'm already thinking about how I'm going to photograph it. Mm. And usually it's outdoors as well. Yeah, and I guess if you live somewhere, I mean, it looks like... Do you travel far to take your photographs? Um, well, for this book, we traveled to Tofino. We went on we went on a road trip to photograph road trip. So we went to Tofino, and then we also went to Banff, which is in the other direction. Mm-hmm. But uh, for most of our photos, we usually don't travel more than half an hour or so and sometimes we travel only five minutes to uh there's a lake by our house that we go to quite a bit yeah we're pretty lucky there's you know we've got the water the forest the mountains it's all sort of right here in because i live in port moody but it's it's only maybe 45 minutes from vancouver wow and i guess also because you one of your um you had the book not long ago now when was it released handmade uk in the uk was that like a year ago yeah, just over last, last summer. Yeah, so I guess, and that was inspired, Emily, by your being in the UK? Yeah, it was inspired by my move to the UK and kind of the way that I experienced the differences and, and the beauty of the old cities here um, and a different sort of landscape that you have here that's at a much different scale than we have in Canada. So I'm also inspired by my surroundings and and often think about how the how the photography of the design will will come together. I was going to say about your your models in your book. You always have the same. Uh, are they friends or family? You have a mix there. Alexa, do you want to tell us about your your 
your standard models that you have there? Uh, well, the three smallest models live with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're your entourage. I have the access to them at all times. And then our, our main our main gal is Emily, and she is my, my pseudo-sister-in-law. My brother calls her his mortgage partner. <laughs> we're sort of almost married. And yeah, so we're friends, and, and she's sort of family. I would say family. Well, if you model a knitting pattern, I mean, I don't know what closer bond there is than that, you know. <laughs> the best part is I, I started her knitting as well, so... Well, there you go, even more so. Yes, quite the knitter. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> and Emily, you've got now a, a new, um, your own little modelling partner. No, not partner. <laughs> Potential. Potential, there we go. Indeed, yeah. No, I have a friend who I met through a knit group in town, and I thought, oh, she might make a nice model. And since then, we've become running partners, and... She's been helping me out with the dyeing at Rainbow Heirloom as well. So so she kind of just lives across the road and is pretty easily available and is obviously a gorgeous model. So it all works out for everybody. <laughs> oh, sorry. I was saying you've got a new small model too. Oh, I do have a, a new mini, mini model. <laughs> um, Max is just eight weeks old now and he's pretty cute. He, um, I think Alexa said that he's cute enough to make the book already. <laughs> he's being fast-tracked. Babies are, aren't always that cute to begin with. <laughs> oh, and so, um, yes, with the Rainbow Heirloom, obviously in the most recent issue of Pom Pom, we had um, a wonderful design. Wenlock. Wenlock. Knitted in the yarn, and the colours were gorgeous. And this is a fairly new project, yes? It is. I've been working on it for about a year um but only just released it now um with the release of the Wenlock pattern um and I just I just kind of wanted to play around with color and do some do some hand dyed kind of semi-solids I, I find that there's not quite the yarn selection in the UK that I find in North America so I figured I'd kind of try my hand at it. Mm. Now you have a brilliant ombre jumper. So yeah, it's worked out nicely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah, it looks great. And I, I mean, dyeing is something I've always kind of quite fancied, but haven't really managed to find the time for yet. So I'm, yes, I'm impressed. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Especially with an eight-week-old, you know, you're doing well. <laughs> <laughs> um, so speaking of your, your mini models and your larger models, one of the important things that we love about your patents is that you have such a huge range of sizes from literally year dot to extra, extra large. And is that a thing that sort of was a conscious decision or did you keep getting requests for larger, ba- everyone loved the cute baby sweaters and everybody wanted to wear them, Alexa, was that conscious or...? Um, I had this idea that I would really like to have matching sweaters with my kids. Uh, actually, our first book, Nine Months of Knitting, we, we just did baby sizes to start. We did up to maybe four years. But for Pacific Knits, I thought, oh, we should have matching sweaters. <laughs> and then from that small statement came a giant decision. So now, yeah, we have quite the range. Spreadsheets and spreadsheets. <laughs> They do look really cute, so it is the maths is worth it, definitely. <laughs> and it is fun because there is that thing where quite often you see, you know, I'm an adult at the moment, so now I'll see baby patterns and think, oh, I want to wear that cool outfit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I finally managed to get myself a, 
a yellow raincoat so I can look like a cool kid as well. <laughs> so you can look like a duck. <laughs> yeah, so I can look like a duck. And then, yeah, no, I think it's lovely. Okay, so now we're going to um, ask you one of the more difficult questions, I think, about uh, yarn. So we like to ask people um, what yarn they would take to a desert island. So, you know, you're going to be dropped off on this desert island with just one yarn to knit with for the rest of eternity. And it can be in all the colours, but you just have to choose the yarn. So let's go, um, Emily, do you know what your desert island yarn would be? Uh, can you do Alexa first? <laughs> <laughs> we can try. Alexa, do you have a, a desert island yarn vision? Uh, I have to say right now, I am particularly smitten with Sweet Fibers Cashmerino Worsted. Mm. It's soft and the colours are amazing. Nice. And Emily, was that enough time to consider your desert island <laughs> yarn? Uh, I don't know. It's, it's pretty terrible. <laughs> a particular uh, thickness, maybe? Yeah. You can choose your own yarn, maybe. Does that make it easier? <laughs> I, no. <laughs> um, I think I think that right now I'm really interested in kind of tweedy yarns. Um, I really liked working with Brooklyn Tweed's Shelter mm -hmm. um, and the kind of stitch definition you can get from cables. And there's another yarn um, called Imperial Stock Ranch, I think. Um, it's an organ, organ yarn, and it's a woolly wool, and it's really beautiful as well. So maybe one or the other of those. Well, that sounds great, and neither of those are ones that have been chosen before. So you get points for originality. Thank you. <laughs> and an equally important question that we need to ask is uh, we need to know your guy's uh, spirit animal. So... We'll give you time to think again, Emily. So we go with Alexa first. <laughs> so when we were on our road trip to Banff this year, we were driving down the highway, and I look over to my right, and I see a grizzly bear. And it looks at me, and I look at the bear, and it looks at me, and I was like, Gary, I just saw a grizzly bear. I think it's my spirit animal. <laughs> <laughs> and ever since then, Hunter has been trying to figure out what her spirit animal is. And it's been hilarious. We decided that possibly Bodhi is an otter, mm. and Hunter is, uh, she wants to be a black bear. She wants a black bear to be her spirit animal. Amazing. And Jones wants a dinosaur, but I don't think that's going to work out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. And Emily? I would have to say that my spirit animal is probably like a harbor seal. A mm. big kind of fat and happy seal that's swimming through the water. Oh, <laughs> yeah, seals always look like they've got little kind of cute smiles, don't they? Little grins, yeah. I think they must be fairly contented. They do look contented, yeah. But then would the seal and the grizzly bear be able to form a knitting partnership? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So obviously you guys are, you know, you, you're just about publishing a book now, so this is a little bit of an unfair question. But um, are there any other um, sort of projects or future plans that people should uh, keep an eye out for? Uh, let's go with uh, Emily. Um, well, I haven't discussed in advance with Alexa what sort ah. of reveals we're willing to make. <laughs> um, I have a feeling that there's going to be something that will use the two little babies that we have right now as models. So I think that there's going to be some baby knits on the horizon. We also have a plan for next year's book, and it's going to be very colorful. 
Oh, nice. Mm. And is this something you've been wanting to, is this kind of related to the new dying that's happening in your life? I think that the two have definitely been developing side by side in my mind. Um, I almost think that starting the dyeing business is was kind of inspired by my my need to um, explore color more and learn more about working with color um, for our, this upcoming book. Brilliant, yeah, because you guys certainly, I mean, you've got, so many great colors in the well in all of your collections and then we you know have obviously just been looking at the uh the road trip collection today in uh preparation i mean we both already looked at it but we were looking at it again so we were excited and i'm very pleased to see that you've used um for the grayling mitts which i really really love i mean it's all gorgeous but those in particular i was like yes make those first and i really like the um button jar blue that you guys have used that's a really great color yeah I think that Alexa and I we differ a little bit in our um the colors that we desire I definitely go more for brights mm -hmm. and kind of saturated vivid colors and I think Alexa goes more for the earthy tones I would agree with that <laughs> I think yeah you, you really see that in road trip especially you get these wonderful kind of earth tone jumpers and then you get like bright mitts from you uh, as a contrast <laughs> so that's why you guys work so well together you know you need the the brights and the the neutrals definitely the earth tones yeah absolutely and it's nice to see that um the amylite cowl has found itself a new home amongst its friends in road trip yeah i think that one fits in really well um this collection is more alexa's baby i think than it is than it is mine. Um, Alexa said, oh, I want to do a collection called Road Trip, and I want it to be earthy and have lots of cables and really, really squishy, delicious, kind of comforting knits. And I think that um, it's really cool when one or the other of us takes design lead on something, and that's what Alexa's done with this book. Even when I was designing Amelite, it was sort of part of the Road Trip vision. Oh, right, uh, yeah. Because that was in... Um Autumn 2013 of Pom Pom. Yeah. Yeah. So you feel you've, you've uh, delivered your dream of the uh, the squishy cozy knits now? Yeah, it all started with a cowl. <laughs> it just, I mean, it looks great. I'm looking at it all again now. And so do you guys also lean in different ways in terms of, so, you know, Alexa, are you more drawn to kind of cable designing in general or was that more the feel just for this particular book? I do love a good cable in general. But um, in this book, I, I did a couple of pieces that are technically lace. They're not laced the way Emily does lace. But uh, the pine, or sorry, old growth cardigan uh, has a little bit of lace on it. And the, the viewfinder cowl is sort of a frothy, lacy number. <laughs> so I made a little foray into lace as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't think I've ever designed any... Uh any lace things, I think that is more kind of Megan's forte in the pom-pom, pom-pom gal partnership for sure. And so, um, Emily, are you more of a lace designer then? I would say I definitely lean to the more complex. Um, when we, when we designed the simple collection, which was the free, um, learn to knit collection that we put out last year, I had a really hard time um, designing the sim more simple pieces. I would kind of hum and haw over it 
And Alexa said, no, it's fine. It's perfect. It's simple. <laughs> and it was kind of like pulling teeth personally for me to, um, to design these really simple pieces. So um, for better or for worse, I do lean to the more complex and love working with lace. And is that kind of, you know, when you started out knitting, did you immediately just want to kind of make more and more complicated things? Or has that been a, a, a more of a slow process? No, I always loved lace. I kind of started out trying to learn how to how to knit lace patterns and then immediately kind of jumped into designing with them as well. I I think that um, working with Alexa in partnership, it makes our design work and it makes our business so much stronger than it would be um, if I were just a solo designer. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm wondering how you, um, Lydia, feel about that with um, with Pom Pom. Yeah, I mean, for sure, there's no way I could have ever done pom-pom without uh <laughs> without Megan and it definitely you know it allows us both to play to our strengths and you know it's nice to have a little bit of editing I think just you know I think otherwise I'd get a bit silly with everything I have have a tendency to be uh, a bit too eccentric I think and um you know one of the very good things to come out of, of me and Megan's partnership is that I now like purple <laughs> And that's important? Well, it's just nice, you know, to welcome a new colour into my life. Um, but no, it's <laughs> um, <laughs> No, I mean, for sure, it's, um, it's just, it's nice to know that you have kind of someone else on your team. And it also means that, uh, you know, to varying degrees that you can take, you know, it's all right for one of us to kind of go away. Um, and we know that the other person will be there and doing shows and things like that. There's always the two of you and it's just easier to kind of bounce ideas and kind of, yeah. And, and in much the way that road trip was kind of Alexa's baby, I think both me and Megan have kind of things that will be, you know, that we'll take the lead on. And, and it's just, you know, it's nice to work with someone else who really likes the, you know, similar things to you like, and you can kind of get excited about it and um, kind of, yeah, play to that. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think that, um, one of the things is when you're working on your own, you can get bogged down in details and you can also hit, hit stopping points. But I found that more and more working with Alexa, when I come up against something that I feel a bit intimidated by or can't quite get to the completion stage, I'll just talk to her and we can always come up with a solution when we're working together. And Alexa, how do you feel, um, how do you feel inspired by Emily working with her then? I was trying to figure out which one of us is the eccentric one. <laughs> uh, I love working with Emily because uh, I tend to be the sort of boundless idea person. I think a lot of our big projects have come mm -hmm. out of my brain. And uh, I think Emily's there not so much to rein it in as to focus it. So when I say, oh, we should do a simple collection, actually, that's a terrible example. You did not rein that in at all. <laughs> <laughs> you said, oh, we should do some, some free patterns. And I said, we need to do the entire collection. It needs to start with a scarf and end with a cardigan. And then you have everything in between. So it wasn't a good example of me reining you in. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, and I think Emily takes an idea sometimes and she turns it into what the reality of it will be so I say something vague like oh we should do a book about road trips and then Emily says well how many patterns are we going to do how are we going to photograph it you know things like that so 
I think it's good. It's I, I agree completely with the sounding board. It's nice to have someone when you go, oh, is this a good idea or um, is this too crazy? It's good to have someone either say it's the best kind of crazy or maybe take that one back to the drawing board. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess to be clear, I think Megan, you know, has her own. I, I guess everyone has their own eccentricities, don't they? And it's it's good to... Uh, have someone to kind of go like, yeah, exactly like you say, like, yeah, that's, you know, that's the good crazy, but this other thing over here, this is like a stay home, keep keep that, you know, within the close family crazy, kind of. <laughs> keep that in the closet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's good because I think um, I have often been quite bad at, you know, I'm not such a good, you know, I don't really play team sports or anything like that. <laughs> so um, it's been it's been really nice to kind of form a partnership um, for something like this and be like, oh, good, I can do this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it really takes the right person because there's a lot of other people I've met and thought, oh my goodness, I don't want to I don't want to work with anyone but Alexa. <laughs> I know that's like a really girl crushy thing to say, but Alexa is totally the best business partner ever. Oh, so sweet. <laughs> oh well that's good and it's obviously you know working out really well because uh you know there's a lot of excitement about this book and all the other ones seem to have been just you know you've got so many people knitting your designs and you can really see why it's you know obviously the partnership really is working not only are you guys kind of happy working together but you're making things that are really lovely <laughs> yeah so well done <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean I think me and Sophie have um, have got to our uh, allotted time limit that Eli, the, the editor, will um, <laughs> will withstand. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Poor Eli has had to listen to me and Sophie talk about like once we talked about pockets for twenty minutes. And that, <laughs> that came to the point where you, said, you need to start structuring this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I'm sure you guys would be able. You know, pockets are great. Yeah, we, we, that's your next collection, pockets. <laughs> I'm in. Yeah, there we go, there we go. Tiny baby pockets, all sized up to adults. <laughs> I was thinking mitten pockets. What, thinking what? mitten pockets. Oh, mitten you know, pockets. Like yes, yeah, there we go. You heard it here first, guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. Okay, well, um, thanks so much for telling us all about not only road trip, but just lots of lovely things about your relationship and the lovely partnership you have and the, the things that you've made together. And if people um, want to see a little bit more and find out more, where should they visit to find you? You can go to tincannits.com and we're also on Pinterest, Twitter, Instagram, and of course, Ravelry. Of course, Ravelry. <laughs> Brilliant. And a road trip is coming out very soon. A couple of weeks. Wonderful. So we'll look out for that. So we say thank you to Emily. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you to Alexa. Thanks. All right. Wonderful. Well, take care, guys. Yeah, you too. Bye. Cheers. And Emily. Oh, what lovely people. I know. The wonder of technology brought us all together. I know, we're in the future. Yep. The future <laughs> is now.
when you can like hear the people from all over the world at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So thanks, guys. Thank you. Um, so let's move on to color of the cast. Now the color of the cast for this week is blue. Blue. Which I do like blue. Do Sophie like actually blue. likes blue. <laughs> Say it again. I like blue. Yep. Sophie likes blue. Yep. But it has to be a certain shade of blue. There's always a caveat yeah, with you, yeah. isn't there? <laughs> I think I like really electric, like bright. Can't aqua. just give your love away to a colour. <laughs> just wholeheartedly, you know. Just, you know, just a little pedantic sometimes. 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 <laughs> um, anyway, so yes, blue. Um, we have some super good facts for you guys. Oh boy. Oh boy. We have some doozies. <laughs> Anyway, okay, so let's start with um, a dye-related fact. I like that, yes. It's relevant with the wool. The ancient Egyptians, uh, they began to produce their own blue pigment, uh, known as Egyptian blue, which is a very catchy title, Um, and they ground things together like lime and copper, and they heated it um, to around, like, 900 degrees. It's pretty hot. It's pretty hot. C, Celsius. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is considered, like, historically, the first synthetic pigment. Oh man, the Egyptians are so great. Well, they were doing a lot of stuff before their time, weren't they? Before... Yeah, they were like building big things that were before pointy. our time. Well, yes. before building big things before they were pointy. <laughs> <laughs> Historical tours with Lily. Yeah. Um, yeah, Egyptian blue—that's a good thing. Okay, so in other blue news, um, okay, another ancient blue-related fact, mm-hmm. guys. We're going to do these in chronological order for nice, you, so yep. you don't get confused. Um, <laughs> in ancient Rome. Blue was worn by the public servants, which marked the beginning of the idea for today's police uniforms. Oh, is that linked to the blue-collared worker? I guess. I must do. Yeah, I guess so. So, wow, that's pretty nuts that the that blue police uniforms were inspired by ancient Rome. Mm. Well, the Romans, they have a lot of uh, influence on these uh, things. Yeah, they did all right, didn't they? Yeah. yeah, with the curvy roads and... No, they did straight roads. No, but the roads were curved so that the water would run off them. Oh, like a camber. Yes. Right, I write... I was like, what are you doing, man? Roman roads are straight roads. I only learnt what the word camber meant very recently. Because you've been learning how to drive. drive. And there was a sign that said, like, uneven camber. And I was like, ah! That's good. Now, you know, keep it up to date. But it's only really thanks to the Romans that um, cambers are normally, you know, probably even in the first place. Mm -hmm. Anyway, Anyway. moving swiftly on. Um, Okay, so blue and symbolism classic thing in you know probably more western culture is blue meaning boys and you know pink meaning girls Mm -hmm. but um in the early 1900s blue was actually the color for girls and this was because it was traditionally connected with virgin mary with her blue robes and lots of religious art and pink was for boys because it was akin to the color red which was considered a more masculine color yeah and over the time this has changed yeah, that's really interesting. So, um, in India and Iran, blue is thought to bring bad luck and is associated with mourning. Oh, okay. That's pretty different to here, I guess. Mm. Um, and blue was traditionally associated with pain in China. Oh, well, you think blue here is sort of, I say here, where we are in the world, sort of more of a sad thing when you say someone's blue. It's true. Uh, this is thought to be from the Greeks who, um, when it was raining... They thought that Zeus, the big, big old main god up there, mm-hmm. uh, he was sad and he was crying. That's why it rained. Aww. And sort of like the blue, blue heavy skies were sort of yeah. him being sad. Um, and interesting enough, it was the storm. He was angry god. And, yeah. But that's a separate thing. 
Okay, so um, blue eyes are a thing that I don't have. Neither do I. We're, so well, we're speaking from eyes, inexperience. No, wait, your eyes are kind of hazel. hazel. All right, mine are brown. Um, so if you do have... Okay, so 8% of the world's population have blue eyes. That's yeah. not that many people. 8%. That's quite low. That's quite low, which is why, you know, this cross-section of the podcast has not blue eyes. Yeah, 0% of the podcast uh, speakers right now have blue eyes. But if your eyes are blue... You share a common ancestor with every other blue-eyed individual in the world. The very first person to ever have blue eyes lived around 6,000 to 10,000 years ago. Back then, everyone had brown eyes. Wow. So it's this like crazy mutation that happened between 6,000 and 10,000 years ago. And so if you have blue eyes, they're like your great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandparents. So next time you see a blue-eyed person, say hey. So yeah, so blue eyes, they're pretty unusual. And another strange fact is that mosquitoes are attracted to the colour blue twice as much as to any other colour. But yeah, so if you um, are particularly beleaguered by mosquitoes trying to eat you, um, don't wear blue because they like it. Top tips. Top tips. Yeah. Top tips today on the podcast. Yeah. Okay. And uh, one more mini fact. Mm -hmm. Fact bite. Yep. Uh, owls are the only birds who can see the colour blue. Wow. I do like owls as well. On that positive note, we can bring in the yarny changing of things around you. Well, the Vertitoist hat, which I was having a problem with, mm-hmm. um, is in the Madeleine Tosh DK Vishnu, which is this great electric colour of blue, mm-hmm. which is great. I think the blues I like a very deep hue, so like very intense, like a very intense turquoise, mm-hmm. uh, like deep, like very bright aquas gotta be a like punch her in the face blue mm-hmm. in a nice way yeah in the nice maybe punch her in the shoulder like a friend hey yeah check out this shade <laughs> um yeah i like ooh, i like a lot of blues i like a lot of like navy blues okay a bit more kind of classic yeah like um i think so like quince and co for example mm. they have a very nice dark blue don't they peacoat, peacoat. i like mm-hmm. that one a lot that's more than acceptable to me in another blue vein, I like button jar blue, Madeleine Tosh colour. Mm, Madeleine Tosh, they, well, they're good for the colours. They do have good colours, it's true. Um, what else? BC Garn, who are a Danish brand, mm. they have um, they have a DK and an Aaron, like chunky Aaron weight. Like, yeah. They smell a DK and they smell a Grosso. Yeah. It's Grosso. <laughs> uh, they have really beautiful blues, and the thing I like about their like pure wool range is that there's sort of an underlying sort of tweed it's not bleached yeah they're quite heathered heathered yeah exactly so great like duck egg shades which Mm, are really nice they're lovely and actually well i mean jameson's of course have a million zillion gazillion colors uh, approximately yep just a rough estimate last time we counted um (laughs) and they have some excellent blues they have um they have some excellent dark blues actually and of course i've forgotten the names of them all so that's useful admiral navy Admiral Navy, yes, that's a really good one. And recently, Prussian blue, Prussian blue, also good. Look these up later, guys. Yeah, you. they're wonderful. And I also really like, I think, because they have again with the heathery kind of colours. Mm. They have a really great one called Nighthawk, which Ooh. I discovered recently, which oh, is a really nice, intriguing. Like, was... deep blue with a bit of green in it. Nice. Yeah, I'm a big fan of. And them. they have a great one called Storm, which is oh, kind of like. Yeah blue but with like flecks of green like greeny grey in it, it oh yeah oh, that like one's really good yeah mm. I like it when colours are named after weather related items yeah I think that's a good thing mm. I encourage it yep mm-hmm. 
the last blue thing just to reiterate how much i like blue when we went to see the film avatar a couple of years ago uh just as i was walking to the cinema i turned to the person i was going with like i'm looking forward to this film because i really like the color blue so i'm just gonna like looking at it for a long time <laughs> <laughs> well and did you like it yeah good film i mean yeah it's, yeah it's a really good film i've heard good reviews i haven't seen it i haven't seen very many films yeah Jake Scully, you are so stupid! <laughs> it's one of the lines. <laughs> so, today for our top three is an item which almost never comes in blue biscuits. Biscuits! We like to cover the important topics in people's lives. Okay, first of all, when we talk about this, there is no distinct way to tell between a cake and a biscuit. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, maybe there'll be some things we have to debate in our top threes. But um, apparently it's clear... What's happening to my voice? <laughs> it's clear in the practice of, like, viewing and eating and experiencing. Um, there was actually, like, a big, uh, like case where they had to discuss whether a Jaffa cake was indeed a biscuit or a cake. I mean, the ca- name of... You'd our- love to be the lawyer in that. Yeah. It's so fun. Writing up the notes from that, yeah. the minutes from that meeting. Apparently the name was like a minor consideration because the important thing is actually like how the uh, item behaves like mm. once it's been like out in the air and it starts going stale. Yeah. Because the difference is yeah. if it's a cake um, it'll go hard. But if uh, it goes soft it's a biscuit. Mm-hmm. That's the important thing between a cake and a biscuit. Mm-hmm. Um, so it had to go into this like whole uh, minute of the thing about the size. Like the size is a bit more like a biscuit than the cake. Um, the marketing, like, they're in the cake section, you know. So well, it's in the biscuit section. I stopped talking. Mm. I think the funniest thing is um, in this. There's a whole. You can go on the website and see this whole debate. That's all like <laughs> typed up. Jaffa cakes are presented as a snack eaten with the fingers, whereas cake may be often expected to be eaten with a fork. Well, yeah, I'm not going to eat cake with my fingers, am I? <laughs> so the tribunal eventually decided that they had enough characteristics of cake to be accepted as such, um, and therefore they don't have added tax on. Biscuity facts there for you. Um, so now we've like set up this standard of what we're talking about, which is biscuits, not cakes. Um, what are your top three? Well, um, I'm a big biscuit fan. I'll just put that out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so at number three... I have, this is a sort of vague one, shortbread. Mm. I really like shortbread. More specifically, I like um, freshly made shortbread. Wait, is that a biscuit? It's a bread. <sighs> no, Can I, I still think, have it? Yeah, no, I think, yeah, shortbread is biscuit. All right, well, we're going to have to bring up a tribunal later about that, but um, for the moment, okay. you can have it. I'll check with HMRC some other time. Yeah, I'll give yeah. to you guys, but for the purposes of the podcast... I mean, maybe biscuits are things you can dunk into tea. Oh, yes. That's you a good... Could, yeah. You could dunk shortbread into tea. Definitely, yeah. So, okay, so more specifically, shortbread, freshly made, ideally. Mm. And, you know, it could be coated in things. Chocolate. Yep. That's nice. Yep. Um, it could have flavours in it. Yep. So this is really vague. I'm sorry, but I just really like shortbread. Good. But then you get into the territory of making millionaire shortbread. What's that? So that's like a delicious shortbready base. Mm. And then you have a layer of caramel. Oh, and then chocolate. And then you have a layer of chocolate, which... Okay. I think that's too far away from my shortbread beginnings. That's just what my dreams are made. 
It's <laughs> like, actually. sweet dreams are made of this. Okay, so that's my number three. Number two, I really like um, ginger and chocolate biscuits. Ooh, they do sound nice. Stem, stem ginger. Yep. Dark chocolate. Yep. Luxury. Yep. Luxury. Well, you know, I'm a woman of fine taste. <laughs> so lastly, mm-hmm. now this is a slightly less refined taste to some who can't appreciate its greatness. <laughs> so at number one, I have a dark chocolate digestive biscuit. Lovely. Yep. It's honest, pure, pure, delicious, good to digest. <laughs> I don't know. It has to be a dark chocolate one, though. Yeah? Mm-hmm. What's wrong with milk chocolate? Too sweet. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's dunkable. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're rarely turned down when you hand them to you know they're just widely enjoyed so if you're going to be keeping just one biscuit in your home for your guests <laughs> for, the, <laughs> for the tea ceremony which you conduct in the afternoon so yes that's my top three excellent choices oh thanks um my top three mm-hmm. um i'm going to say top bottom well three in the top mm-hmm similar to your top one I'm going to go with a classic digestive right which some people you know sometimes you feel like oh do you want a biscuit and they're like oh yeah that'd be nice and if someone handed you a digestive you're kind of like well I didn't really want a biscuit but now I don't want anything because this isn't you know it's just too too bland for some people but for me there is a versatility in it which it's well you can put cheese on them oh yes Philadelphia cheese and digestive biscuits is like a classic like childhood treat of mine so Mm. I think I have such uh, love for it for that um, yeah, and I think putting it with cheese is the greatest. Mm-hmm. Putting some grapes, there you go. There's a good kind of like really wheaty, like digestive <laughs> niceness about it. <laughs> Weird noises. Uh, number two, it's a bourbon biscuit. Ooh, oh, frick. Uh, change your mind, change your mind now. So the classic kind of chocolatey biscuit mm-hmm. sandwiching a inside layer of like chocolatey cream. Brilliant. Oh, I can't believe I've... And custard creams as well. No, They're no. not as good as bourbons, No, they're they? nowhere near as good as bourbons. Oh, <laughs> Don't even say them in the same what sentence. What were you thinking? No, definitely bourbons. There. Do they have bourbon in them? <laughs> no. <laughs> Why are they called bourbon biscuits? <laughs> Don't say these things when I can't answer them. <laughs> Some biscuits you'll dunk in a cup of tea. Um, bourbon biscuits, you just put them in... You just know, straight bourbon. Yeah, in your liquor. Let's bourbon. Stay Bourbon, bourbon. I like that. Yep, mm-hmm. and my top one would be a chocolate hobnob. Oh, I should have seen that coming. Hobnobs have a much more oaty texture. Uh, I sound like a biscuit expert here. Oh, you probably are. Well, yes, I have eaten more than one. <laughs> and they have a layer of chocolate, and they're brilliant. They have the density to withstand a dunk in a cup of tea. Mm. Um, they do. They're nice. Yes. And they're oats, so you can kind of pretend they're healthy. <laughs> yeah, they're healthy. Yeah. Yum. Okay, hobnobs. I mean, you know, Sophie makes no secret of her love of hobnob biscuits. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that's all the things we have to say this podcast. Yes, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening indeed. So yeah, you can find us in the Ravelry group. We are a subsection under the Pom Pom Quarterly group. We have a little forum there where you can, you know chat to us give us exciting ideas for our top three for color facts all that kind of stuff we want to hear your feedback yeah. if you want to talk about a particular thing you want to do some research on a certain thing like we've also we've just covered the importance of moving with yarn mm-hmm. you know 
ask us for our top tips and other things maybe yeah or give us yours that would also yeah, be yeah, awesome yeah. Uh, you can send us emails of course at the usual address podcast at pompommag.com and yeah we can't wait to speak to you again soon. yeah we can't wait and thanks again of course to our lovely sponsors Melamia mm-hmm. thank you and to Emily and Alexa and we'll see you guys soon thanks for listening thanks bye bye, bye. star wipe and we're up oh wait it went bunk Oh, that's why I need to do this. Pomcast is produced by Lydia Gluck and Sophie Scott, with lots of help from Eli Block, who created the music for the show. For more Eli-related music, go to goodgirlandthebadtimes.com. Big thanks, as always, to Megan, the co-founder and editor of Pompom, and to our interviewees, Alexa and Emily from Tin Can Knits. Thanks, of course, to Milamia for sponsoring this podcast. And as always, we'd like to say a big thank you to all our Pom Pom Buyers subscribers and now listeners. Send any feedback or suggestions to podcast at pompommag.com. And don't forget to join our friend on the Pom Pom Ravelry group.